Okay, hey, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. We have the pleasure of speaking with Jamie Noble from Department of Justice, Office of Justice Programs. Um, Jim Kovach here from Zimperium, along with JT Keating, who heads up our threat research uh, organization, as well as our marketing uh, team. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Absolutely, and good morning to you too, JT. Good morning, Jim. All right, so Jamie, um, by way of introduction, if you maybe could take just a few minutes to maybe frame up a little bit of your organization, kind of your role, uh, you know, the mission and, and things that are relative, just to give our audience an idea of uh, what your organization's about. Yeah, sure. So um, like you said, I'm Jamie, Jamie Noble. I'm the uh, director for the IT security uh, division uh, over at the Office of Justice Programs. I'm also the chief information security officer for the Office of Justice Programs, or as we lovingly call ourselves, OJP. Um, we're a federal agency underneath the Department of Justice. Um, we're an agency that provides um, federal grants, training, technical assistance, and other resources really to aimed at improving the nation's capability to prevent and reduce crime, um, to assist our victims, and enhance the rule of law by strengthening the criminal and juvenile justice system. Awesome. That's a very noble mission, for sure. Um, for in, sure. In, terms, in terms of that mission, can you give uh, the audience a, a sense of the uh, workforce in terms of population, size, scope? Do they yeah. find themselves working remotely, especially in the era of COVID? Uh, can you give us a sense of that? Yeah, so uh, OJP has about um, six program offices that support our, our state um, and, and local crime fighting efforts. Um, and, and they fund, you know, through their grants, they fund, you know, thousands of these um, victim services programs and helping communities manage um, their needs. Um, and then, so we have those six offices and then we have um, then like some administrative, like helping supporting offices that includes like the office of our general counsel and our, the office of um, administration with human resources, the office of the OCIO, um, in terms of all of the IT support that enabled the very important mission for, for OJP. And uh, we are a very uh, mobile agency. So um, let me just rewind uh, pre-pandemic um, uh, back in, um, you know, I think since about um, 2010, actually, um, and especially moving up through 2016, I think in 2016, they really moved forward with um, promoting um, a mobile uh, capable workforce. Um, we have grant managers that support uh, the grants and all of the funds that uh, OJP disperses um, to all of our grantees. And, and these grant managers do go out in the field. Um, they visit with the, with the grantees to make sure that um, they're monitoring, um, you know, how those funds are being spent and how um, the their commitment um, that they made in accepting those funds, how well those programs are performing. Um, and so, uh, you know, in the tradition of OJP, those grant managers were always traveling out into the field. And so they were mobile. Um, when the OJP got a new CIO in uh, 2016, his vision was really to promote um, a, uh, an environment where these uh, grant managers, when they're going out into the field and when they are working remotely, whether that be on a plane during their travels or sitting with their grantees, that they would have an experience um, that was common and, and, and almost identical to the one that they would have if they were sitting at their desk. 
fast forward to 2020 when we all became, um, you know, working at home in uh, the OPM's, you know, max telework posture, um, you know, to protect us during COVID-19. This mobile environment where we had the same exact, um, you know, user experience um, in our homes or on the go as we did in the office really allowed OJP um, to remain productive during, during COVID. Um, and so we, we did that by achieving um, or deploying a mobile uh, desktop infrastructure, um, virtual desktop infrastructure, VDI environment, um, where you could have the same experience on any device, anytime, anywhere. Um, and, and that environment was, was very secure because it was very centrally managed um, where we could you know, pull those sessions if we needed to, we could patch those sessions we could take them down, we could quarantine them, whatever we needed to do. So um, it allowed users to have resources, um, access to the resources that they needed um, and that they were used to accessing um, within the office um, with the exception I'll say of, of, of printing. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's a capability that we, we um, tend to not allow, um, you know, off-prem. But, but other than that, you really had all of the capabilities um, that you needed um, out, you know, whether you're wherever you're working, whether that was um, from home or whether you were mobile before or in the office at headquarters. Great. Thank you for that. And so as we kind of move through uh, the COVID era and the time frame, of course, the presidential executive order came out relative to cybersecurity. Um, and there's different pieces of it. Uh, certainly zero trust is a key component of it. But can you maybe talk at a high level uh, when that came out? How did that impact uh, y'all in terms of, did you sort of, uh, amplify what you were currently doing as you were just mentioning relative to VDI, uh, did it allow you to look for other areas where perhaps there was some improvement needed or some additional investment areas by which you had to, uh, discover and then, and start putting plans around. Can you just maybe give us a sense of the yeah. impact and the influence of the presidential executive order? Absolutely. So, um, I have to say the timing um, was really great for us. When, when it came out, we felt like while we were reading through all of the major areas, we already felt like we had um, kind of a, a jump on all of those things. They, they were uh, areas that were top of mind. I would say with maybe the exception of like um, the very expansive logging requirements. <laughs> um, but in terms of, of zero trust, um, and just you know, information sharing, reporting vulnerabilities, expanding um, our, our vulnerability management program, um, prioritizing vulnerabilities uh, for um, you know our, our system administrators that are responsible for patching um, and, and things like that. Um, those were areas that were definitely you know supply chain. All of that were were very much on the forefront of our mind. Um, and right about when um, 2019, 2018. 2019, we OJP was really um, getting started with a major um, IT modernization project that included um, the complete modernization and overhaul of our grant management system. So kind of the core system that supports um, OJP's mission. Um, And in doing that, um, we really took that opportunity um, at that time to really, um, instead of, you know, just modernizing one application, well, how do we want to modernize um, the identity governance for this? Because this is a system that um, not only um, has uh, external grantees, you know, the public, um, police departments, law enforcement, 
um, and the like, accessing it as a, as a public user. Um, but we also have um, this system is accessed by almost um, everybody, um, or at least all of the offices within um, the Department of Justice. So we're one component, um, but we have users from FBI, um, the Executive Office of U.S. Attorneys, um, you know, Criminal Division, the OIG, um, ATF, all of these people that are coming in um, in either serving in a role as a peer reviewer, maybe for some of these solicitations, hey, is um, this solicitation that this grantee is submitting um, to get this funding for their for their program, is that viable? And so so we do ask for input um, from across the department. So we really had a need to federate identities um, from across the department, um, as well as take those users from the public. And then we had, um, you know, our internal grant managers who have, you know, maybe elevated privileges within our system um, to approve funds or deny funds um, and then, you know, make sure that those um, financials are all managed appropriately um, throughout the life cycle of those grants. And so we really took this as an opportunity um, to make identity and access to data um, some very centric to to our modernization of the grants management system. And so it was just, um, you know, incredible that we were able, um, you know, to to kind of get a jump on that and and think about it from that standpoint, almost like, a, you know, if we could do everything over, how would we do it? How would we do it better? Uh, and then to have um, the cybersecurity executive order um, and all of the subsequent memos and bods and things come down after that, just continuing to support, um, you know, the, the road or the path that we were already on um, was great. <laughs> so um, it's working out very well for us. That's, that's great to hear. And if I heard in all of that, um, so here you are doing your modernization and you got a, probably a pretty full plate as it was doing that. Um, along comes this executive order and, and the whole host of things that come along with it. So uh, it's great that you were able to uh, absorb it all. Um, so as again, as we maybe move through the timeline to, you know, the current day in the, in the present, and I'll ask JT to weigh in here a little bit as well. Um, you know, obviously given current real world events, um, the threat landscape is very intense. Um, I think everyone is at a heightened state of sensitivity. Uh, you know, there's been the shields up warning, uh, or advisory issued by CISA not too long ago. There was also, a uh, an advisory from FBI, NSA, and CISA to clear defense contractors uh, to be at a heightened state of cybersecurity awareness and alert and maybe look at some of the gaps that they might have. Um, and then most recently too, and it seems to be kind of just an echo of a continuous uh, advisory for critical infrastructure. Uh, so I, I say all that to say, it seems like every facet of the environment is at a heightened state. Um, and then there's also evidence, and this is where I'll ask JT to weigh in a little bit. We certainly uh, found some of that in a threat report, a mobile specific threat report that we just released about perhaps a little bit more fidelity in terms of what's actually going on in those in, in that landscape and the specific threats. Um, you know, the skyrocketing, uh, you know, phishing attempts, uh, both email as well as uh, texting, but. JT, if you wouldn't mind maybe sharing some color and some context around that, and then I'll circle back and ask Jamie um, <laughs> another question. Yeah, so um, yeah, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. And Jamie, I'm, I'm sitting here listening, and, I, and I'm 
I'm chuckling about your your comment about the extensive logging uh, requirements and you know and a few of the others. And I was thinking, well, if Jamie gets to say that, and they're actually way ahead of the curve on modernization. What are the other agencies thinking? You know, <laughs> like they're, you they're know. probably using other words than extensive. There might be yeah, some other yeah. vocabulary. And, and, I, and I'm I'm pretty sure that no one's going to be crying for you, Jamie. Um, you know, when it comes to that <laughs> side of things, it could just be me. Um, but 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 Frank, I mean, honestly, it's really impressive what you guys have been doing. And to your point, the fact that your your workforce was mobile and recognized as mobile even before all this happened when a lot of other people all of a sudden had to go into complete triage mode and scramble mode when the pandemic hit, it probably wasn't as extensive for you guys because of where you were. So that's pretty cool. Um, so Jim, specifically to your point and what Jim's talking about for those folks that don't know, you can come check it out. We, we just got finished doing the 2022 uh, Global Mobile Threat Report um, and it's extensive. It's got data from, I think about 70 million of the endpoints um, that uh, allowed us from customers of ours around the world that allowed us to, to pull the data in. It also includes data from other places like uh, Google Project Zero and another place along those lines. And some of, the, some of the sound bites that Jim's talking about in terms of the, the threat landscape specific to mobile. Um, for instance, one out of four devices around the world were susceptible or uh, exposed to malware. Um, not a huge surprise, right? Even with with prevention techniques in place, over 10% of the devices accessed the suspicious website from a phishing link. So like legitimately, and this is from our stuff that is actually warning people, hey, don't go there. Um, and they still went there. Imagine how much higher that number actually is from, from people that didn't have any protection. And we've all seen it, that, you know, all the phishing, but mobile phishing is a major issue um, from a, there's, there's two main things that are really driving the need for mobile security at the highest level. From a, from a threat standpoint, mobile phishing is by far number one. And if you think about it, it makes sense because all of our traditional anti-phishing technology is inline and corporate email. Most of what you're getting on, on uh, your, your smart devices are text, messenger, you know, totally outside of the standard path. So, so it makes sense. And, and as Jamie was talking about, identity and credentials, that's the key. That, that's the key. So anything that the bad guys can do to steal credentials, the reuse potential is pretty significant unless organizations are really, really advanced, right? Um, we've seen also 75% of the websites, the malicious websites over last year that we detected from phishing attacks were optimized for mobile. A significant portion of them even gave 404 errors if you hit them off of a desktop. Um, so mobile phishing specifically has become a major thing. The other driver, not related to, to, to threats, but kind of come back to it, is similar to what Jamie's talked about. O365 happens to be the main thing where everybody during the pandemic, everybody threw out, I'm going to put mail on Teams and everything. And it's become a catchphrase for basically productivity apps that people are getting access to on mobile because all of a sudden you've got access to all the same data like what Jamie was talking about. You have access to all the same data, but it happens to be on a mobile platform. You need to protect it, right? Um, the other things I'll, I'll just say, and I can talk a little bit more later. 
Um, but the other thing that's been really interesting is, for instance, zero days. Um, you know, one third of the exploited zero days last year were on mobile. Um, and it was a 466% increase in terms of year over year. So one third of all the known exploited zero days were on mobile. The other thing that's pretty interesting is two thirds of those were on iOS. So when everybody is, you know, thinking, oh, Apple's, you know, bulletproof, uh, the reality is Apple has done a very good job of vetting apps going into the app store, but there's four attacks on mobile. There's device compromises, there's malicious networks, rogue access points, fake Wi-Fi, et cetera, um, mobile phishing and malicious apps. The only one Apple has historically had an advantage on was the, the malicious apps because they vetted all the apps going to the app store. But the real reason is, and it's less important here in the States as it is in uh, the APAC region, for instance. And on the Android ecosystem, going to third-party app stores has always been part of the ethos. It's just part of what people do. They just go to third-party app stores, not the Google Play Store. We happen to vet every app that goes into the Google Play Store. So we have that visibility. Um, but it's the third-party app stores where all the malware comes from, right? Um, so what's been interesting is for, on the on the iOS side of things is they've had this inherent advantage in the app store, but that's very strongly looking to go away. Um, Europe is is just about to pass uh, a law that's going to force them to force Apple to allow side loaded apps from third-party app stores. Our own Supreme Court in an antitrust motion has been questioning the same thing of should we, you know, is it is it a monopoly to have an app store like that? So we got to keep our eye on that because architecturally, there's nothing that'll prevent malware on iOS that's different than Android. But for the time being, we can already see the targeting. And I think it's because a lot of the high value targets are on iOS, that that's why the, the zero days have been really focused there. So that's just a quick snapshot of the uh, kind of threat landscape. And again, whole big threat report um, that, that we did that people can download and, and review for themselves. Uh, Jamie, thank or uh, JT, thank you. That's uh, an excellent breakdown. And Jamie, my question to you is, is specific to the zero day, right? That That's, uh, you know, it's great that we can protect uh, from the known bad, but, you know, what do we do when we don't know what's coming, right? And we know that they're out there. Um, there's things like Pegasus, for example, I'm sure you're familiar with, which is a terrifying uh, spyware um, for all of us where something like that can gain access to our microphone, our camera, our private emails, our private text messages, our contacts, every personal device, whether it's used for work or not, you can bet has at a minimum our work contacts on there. Um, so you know, this distinction between a, a government device and a, a personal device in many ways is it's, it's a blend because we're still doing work on some level, certainly with our personal device, we might be doing more work on our government device or corporate issued device, but there is a blend there. So zero days uh, are, are uh, frightening in many ways. The other aspect to that is tying it to the, again, back to zero trust and the presidential executive order can you give us your thoughts on sort of how you might be thinking about endpoints broadly and then from a zero day detection or zero day uh, perspective, how, how are you guys thinking about that? Yeah, um, 
so endpoints are really um, all encompassing, right? It's almost it's almost every single thing we're even including, you know, in, in that thought, um, you know, networking devices. Although that's a totally separate challenge. Um, but in terms of um, users, let's let's just kind of keep it there for the for the focus of this <laughs> segment of the conversation. Um, you know, we're looking at um, our our laptops as that end um, user device, as well as that mobile um, device that is issued. Um, we they are corporate, corporately issued um, for for OJP and really the entire department. Um, and I think in terms of you know thwarting um, you know zero days um, things, I think that our best um, you know proactive measure that we can take is to really be vigilant in in deploying and having those EDR um, solutions in place to to manage those devices and having um, an architecture in place that's that's really, you know, focusing on identity and taking that data-centric approach um, and really contextualizing every single, you know, connection um, and approving it and looking at it every single time. So, um, you know, it, it, it won't matter really if a user has access to the network or not, um, you know, whether that be a bad actor or the user themselves, um, but it, you know, the access that they, that they have or that they're trying to get, right, will really, um, be focused on, you know, should that user have access to that application in that context, right? And if that's not the case, um, you know, we're making a decision, a policy decision, and, you know, we're, we're denying that access. Um, so that's, that's really the approach that we're taking. Um, and then in terms of, um, you know, management of our servers and, and other infrastructure where privileged access, you know, is really, really key. And, 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 and that's where that's happening. We've um, tried, you know, we've deployed a, a privileged access management, um, you know, program um, so that we're, we're managing all of that, um, in that in that manner. So really keeping the focus on identity um, and whether or not those users should have access, um, you know, to those environments. Um, but it's been tough. It's been tough with mobile um, and mobile devices specifically. So I know JT was saying that um, in terms of like phishing, and we we do run phishing campaigns um, on the regular for all of our users. And it's it's interesting in looking at those reports. Um, you know, where are people? Uh, you know, looking at their email, they're looking at it on their phone for the most part, right? You know, if I want to get up and, and take a walk or go up and, and do a little laundry or something. I'm walking away from my computer, but most of the time I have my, my mobile device with me, right? So someone can contact me on Teams or, um, you know, email me and I'll look at an email, um, you know, while I'm doing something in, or maybe I'll even have Siri read it out loud to me, right? Um, but, you know, <laughs> in terms of those uh, devices, you know, EDR has been very challenging on the, on the mobile device. I don't think that the industry... Um, is really fully there. We haven't done a ton of testing, um, but um, you know, we we do manage it from a, from an M MDM. All of all of our phones are managed by that. We have um, to make it simple, reduce complexity. Um, we have uh, one one um, phone that we're using, one iOS that we're using, so we can manage things that way. All of our applications. Um, are on the allow list or whitelisted. We don't we don't do um, you know things. We don't um, deny by exception. You know we're, we're we're looking and making sure that we have like approved things that are vetted. Um, and so we just deny everything unless it's on that approved list. 
And uh, that has, has made it easier. I think um, there, there may have been, you know, when mobile devices first came out, there were some agencies um, that were just allowing their users to download anything that they wanted on there. Um, and that's definitely, you know, not, not the most appropriate way to go about it. Um, and in terms of people wanting to be more mobile, I just mentioned me wanting to just walk around my house and that's <laughs> taking mobile to like another, another extreme. Um, but yeah, I want access to Teams. I want access to email. Um, we're, we're slowly um, making more, trying to make more applications mobile, maybe, you know, service now, maybe you could approve things and other um, applications, but um, you know, we've, we've deployed derived credentials on all of our mobile devices um, to, 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 again, make sure that um, the people who are accessing those applications from those devices are who they say they are and that they um, have access to only the applications and the data that they should. Yeah. In you, line with that strategy. You brought up a couple of things there and, and uh, JT, I, I think you have some comments as well, but just a couple of brief things. So uh, EDR, right? Certainly uh, EDR. So mobile EDR, I think is, is uh, maybe where you were hinting at in terms of is extending the same types of protections and detections on EDR, traditional EDR to mobile. So we oftentimes refer to that as a mobile EDR. The other is you had mentioned um, taking your mobile device with you if you wanted to go walk around. So uh, there was a, uh, a reference to uh, Director Jen Easterly over at CISA about making cybersecurity a kitchen table, quote unquote, kitchen table issue uh, to all the governors and mayors recently. And that struck me because um, the one device that a lot of us bring to the kitchen table is the mobile device. We're not walking up to the kitchen table with our laptop and saying, hey, everyone, um, probably not a good idea uh, for family relations, but the mobile device is <laughs> at our kitchen table. So. Uh, we can all certainly relate with that being a part of us. And sometimes I joke with folks and I say, hey, take your mobile device and go put it in another room and close the door and walk away and count how many minutes you goes by before you start developing some anxiety about where your mobile device is. Um, so I, I think we are absolutely connected to it. But JT, I think you had a, a comment you wanted to make as well. Yeah, well, the first comment I'll make is my family is perfect. Um, uh, my, my kids who, you know, uh, they've never brought I mean, we have a 100% no phone. I don't know who those people are. I, yeah, I mean, I, mean sure. I hear about them and I hear they're yeah. great, you know, and I'm sure they eat healthier than me. And it's like they exercise all the time. It's like whatever. Um, but uh, no, you're 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 completely right. I was thinking about the, um, you know, kind of the, the mobile EDR part um, and and also just again, just the complexity. I, I, I had a chance to have a conversation, a panel uh, yesterday with um, uh, leaders of security for Oracle and Deloitte. Um, and one of the things we were talking about in terms of trends was the, the trend that has been going for quite some time, but is now uh, becoming a practical reality and a necessity, the trend away from alerts towards action. Um, and as Jamie was talking about, you know, we're going to take this information we have and we're going to decide what we're going to give you. I mean, that that is zero trust, you know, and, and Jim and I, you know, joke a lot of the time about the fact that, you know, I'm supposed to be the marketing guy. So I'm supposed to be the guy that, that loves throwing zero trust at everything, you know, it's just slap it on, it's going to be fun. Um, but even though I'm not a big fan of buzzwords, the principles of zero trust are, are absolutely there. Um, and, and as Jamie was talking about, 
I need to assess your identity and the device's identity to make sure I even know who this person is and what they're on. And then what is the risk posture of the environment that they're coming from and then making that decision. Um, and traditional EDR, that, that has handled that for the traditional endpoints. But the biggest, the biggest complication, and we know these because we actually power many of the EDR products, mobile offerings now, the, the vendors. The biggest difference in mobile, there's, there's two. One is all apps are in containers, so they don't get to mess around with each other like we're used to on the traditional end, you know, side of things. But the biggest issue is that currently the operating system is locked down. Um, as security has evolved, you know, it used to, you know, whoever's lowest on the stack wins, right? And, and as security evolved, the bad guys started doing things like rootkits on traditional endpoints where they were getting into the operating system. And so all the endpoint security companies, we needed to actually come in below them to be able to self-defend. So they're also, they're built and wired and programmed to, to pull data and to operate in the operating system. Well, on iOS and Android Chromebooks and even the modern OSs that are coming out, the, the operating systems are locked down. So it, it creates a blind spot unless, unless you've been architected for that world. Um, so, but getting, getting that kind of visibility across those attacks, including some that are relatively new. Now they're, they're not new to Jamie, but they're new to most of the world. For instance, the network. The dumbest thing about smartphones is the phone introduces itself to the network, not the other way around. So your phone just literally just walks around and goes, hey, what's up? Are you, uh, you Starbucks? And all the network has to do is go, yes. And the device connects. Now there's things you can do if you're really hyper security sensitive to, to change those settings, but most people don't do that, right? So all, all, we're used to having devices in most of the world, not highly mobile like Jamie's world, we're used to, we spent billions of dollars on network security, firewalls, and, you know, and, and our, our you know, laptop or desktop is sitting inside of that protected little world. Of course, I trust the network. Why would I not trust the network, right? So again, something that's different for the EDR guys is you need to detect whether or not the network is fake because you could be sitting on, on a bad Wi-Fi and they're taking all your traffic and they're, you know, so... And that's one of the things I think is going to be totally fine going forward is when we when we go from EDR to XDR, and again, another buzzword, but I love the concept of, let's say I've got the ability to detect a malicious network on my mobile phone. And if I if I if 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 it's on my phone and it says, uh oh, bad Wi-Fi, the the next thing should be, where's his laptop? And if his laptop is on that same Wi-Fi, then to your, to your point, Jamie, that'll be something where it's like, okay, hold up. We didn't get any notification from that laptop, but we now have a new picture of that person. And so we're gonna change their access. You know, it's, so it's these sensors and then action, I think is gonna be, it's gonna be really cool, but non-trivial um, to say the least. Yeah, and um, I'll just echo, you know, a little bit of the sentiment about when it comes to the mobile device, you know, some of the articles I've seen of late have said, hey, before you click on something, stop and think, well, we're humans, 
And sometimes we're not thinking. And sometimes we're in a rush. We're at an airport. We're in we're line. Doing, we're, we're doing our laundry. We're doing our, we're doing all kinds of things. We're in line, <laughs> getting ready to board the plane. And you're looking at your boarding pass and it's, you know, beyond group three. So there's no way your bag is going to make it. And so you're thinking about how you have to check it. It's just stress overload. Right. And we're all getting back to travel is, is, is well, where I'm going. Mobile, it. mobile, everybody. Mobile is designed for quick click. I mean, you know, you see something, boom, boom. I mean, we, we, we are way quicker to hit things. Plus, there's no ability to compare anything on mobile. That's right. I mean, That's you, right. you know, it's, and it's a pain in the rear end to copy, new browser, paste, you know, it, it, just no click. To, to check for those subtle, subtle nuances of a, a forward slash or a, a two O's in Google or a three O's in Google versus two O's, you know, just those little subtleties, which at, we know. At, at the same time, you're trying to decide whether or not to put bleach in, right? right <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's a lot going through your head right there. Uh, that's right. Hey, Jamie, I think you, you clicked on mute accidentally there. We couldn't hear you on that. I did. I did. I was, I was saying, and now there's a red sock in with the whites. <laughs> that's right. That's, right. You, you just, <laughs> that's worse than fishing. You've got all these distractions. <laughs> and my point being is, is when you get that urgent text that says somebody just charged your credit card, $2,000, you click here to reject it. You're not thinking. So you click it and guess what? Now you're hacked. So my point, my larger point being is we're all humans and it shouldn't be left to the human to make that go, no go decision on whether or not that uh, you know they're about to get hacked or not. They should have a backstop, a safety net, if you will, on their mobile device in particular, uh, relative to gaining access to uh, infrastructure. So I know we're coming up on time. Um, hopefully, you know the audience will, will find this informative and helpful. Uh, Jamie, uh, were there any concluding uh, thoughts or uh, suggestions or um, things for the audience to consider, or what would perhaps your recommendation be? on uh, you know where to you know where to get started with some of this yeah no it's it's certainly daunting so i don't want to make it seem like i have all the answers or i have it easy um i just think we were you know maybe just timing wise um you know in a better position um just you know to be better positioned to have all these things coming down the pike um there were things that were already on the forefront of our mind there are certainly challenges i met i mentioned um, M2131 um, and all the logging, that's certainly going to be really challenging. There are so many things to unpack um, in terms of just, you know, system performance um, and whether or not, you know, some of those uh, things are going to be meaningful. Who's going to be reviewing all of these things? Do we have um, the capabilities in place for um, maybe, you know, applying some, some AI um, to make some of those decisions um, based on some of the alerting that we're seeing so that we can have some of those dynamic um, decision points and that whether we're, we're blocking or allowing or quarantining or, or, or doing certain things as a result of those logs. Um, I think certainly, um, you know, in the, um, the EDR capabilities are really exciting. Um, and in even some of the capabilities with respect to, to antivirus and behavior-based antivirus, I think are really exciting. So some of that next-gen AV um, uh, capabilities, I, I think that um, folks should should keep an eye out on. Um, you know, I know that there are a lot of agencies and, and corporations are blending, you know, letting users carry one device. <laughs> We're still 
you have to carry two devices. I think it makes it a little bit easier when you're like, okay, I'm not going to be getting an email on my corporate device about my credit card or a prize I won mm-hmm. or an Amazon gift card. Um, you know, hopefully that that separation kind of allows people to not only have a better work life balance, um, but also um, be be mindful on you know what they're clicking on and when for sure. Um, and and I think um, you know having you know identity. Um, centric decision-making points um, and, and coupling that with, um, you know, being data-centric, I think, um, is, is definitely the way to go. So there's definitely a lot to unpack. I know there's a lot of mandates out there, um, but I think there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, and um, hopefully it will help us, you know, not only modernize our IT, but when we're modernizing IT, I think that that the best advice I can give is when, when your organization is modernizing IT, use that as an opportunity to modernize your cybersecurity as well. Um, they should really go hand in hand. That's in the executive order as well, baking all that security in with like the new software. So really um, all the CISOs out there, all the ISSOs, all of the, the system administrators and, and security professionals, um, use these things as tools to talk to your management and your leadership and make sure that the budget, the funds are supporting everything that you need to do to adhere um, to the executive order guidance, all of the memorandums, all of the bods. Um, and if you, if you make sure you're baking that in and getting in good with all those things, um, you can achieve success in those areas um, and, and we can feel good about it. Absolutely. Uh, JT, did you have a final comment? Um, well, I mean, I've been joking about, you know, Jamie having it all together, um, you know, and, and relatively speaking, you do, um, um, with the exception of the Red Sox. Um, but um, but, but uh, the, the thing I'll say that really kind of jumped out at me, I mean, obviously a lot to unpack. And Jamie, thank you very much for, for the time. It's been great um, hearing it. The last thing that Jamie mentioned, I think, is one of the most important. And what we've seen, even on our side of things, it starts with the business initiative. What, what is that digital transformation? Everything that we're a part of is, is hooked onto some business, some organizational trans, transformational initiative. Um, and, and to Jamie's point, the more those are blended in together and thought about in advance, the, the more things go in a streamlined fashion. Um, so uh, I, would, I would agree. 100% with what Jamie is saying. And thank you again, Jamie. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun, um, you know, making fun of you and, and <laughs> laughing and, and, but honestly learning a lot because how much stuff you guys need to keep up with, with all these different acronym soups and, and directives and everything. It's, 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 you know, not easy, but thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, JT. Absolutely. No. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this was a really fun discussion. I'm glad we could get some humor in there. And, um, you know, I think, you know, there, there is a lot. It, it is very daunting. Um, but if you, if you really look, they all kind of tie together, too. So um, they, they do. They, they all kind of come together, certainly under the order and then under zero trust. I'll close with, for folks who weren't overly familiar with 2131, OMB 2131, the logging mm-hmm. requirements, as Jamie was affectionately referring to, <laughs> because it, it is quite extensive and expansive, um, I would concur with that, is we just uh, released an article. Uh, I think folks in the audience will find it informative on Federal News Network. So I think if you just maybe go to FNN um, and you know do a quick Zimperium OMB 2131, it probably should come up in terms of the search. 
uh, or maybe just do a Google search on it. It should come up at FNN, but there's some good content in there. I think, you'll, I think it'll be educational and informative for folks who are not overly familiar with 2131 for sure, but it is part of the FISMA reporting requirements. So to Jamie's point, if you're a, an executive agency, you, you kind of got to do it, right? Uh, you got to pay attention to it. So with that, thanks for your time, everyone. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day.